Caitlin. And I'm McKenna. And welcome back to Nerds of a Feather, where we analyze characters and their relationships. This is part two of a two-part episode Ooh. where we talk about Loki Lofison, uh, with a little bit of emphasis on mythology, but mostly we're talking about him in the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, when we last left off, and where we are going to start up again, is talking about Loki and Thor as a pair of characters. So Loki and Thor as a pair of characters, they're so complex, they're opposed in so many ways, even visually really opposed. If you look at, you know, he has the golden hair, he's got the, the red cape, he's Loki, the golden child. he's the golden child, Loki is in the shadows, he's got the dark hair. Yeah, he's got the dark hair, he's got the green and black. He's Versus the little, Thor's broad, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all sorts of stuff. So he is in extreme contrast to his brother, not only visually, but character-wise. And morally. <laughs> and morally. You see Thor start out the series very childish. He's used to being the golden kid and getting what he wants. Mm -hmm. And Loki is used to tagging along behind him and fixing his messes. Mm -hmm. This is the way it is in the myths as well, actually. Let me see. I have it written down here on our high-tech pad of graph paper. Um, in the myth, Thor really likes him because Thor has a tendency to act first and think later. Loki has a tendency to think first, act later. So they're so opposite that Loki can kind of follow behind Thor, fixing all his problems, talking his way out of shit. The Loki Silver Tongue, mm -hmm. of course, being his nickname. And I think we have written down here from you, McKenna, it's just a prank, bro. Well, that had to do with the other thing. Oh, true. <laughs> but it does apply. It, you know, <laughs> it applies not only in the it's just a prank, bro, about him birthing uh, Slipner, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because everything that he does, he does not take it seriously because he's so used to having to talk Thor out of a billion bad ideas and a billion sticky situations. Mm -hmm. He is, in many ways, uh, starting out as the more responsible of the two. Yeah, and then he ends up turning into the least responsible person in the universe. Yes. He makes <laughs> so many bad choices. Yes. So, the two of them, they start out at, at odds. Um, I think you could... Yeah, you could say that they start out at odds. They are brothers, and they are, to some, ex some extent, friends. Yeah, I think they they love each other. They take care of each other. Right. Watch out for each other. Um, but they are frustrated by each other. Well, I think that's a typical sibling relationship. Yeah. Especially so it, two brothers. It, it seems very typical from the beginning that he is um, kind of the kid that Frigga says, oh, take your brother along. Mm -hmm. Like when in your typical YA novel, the older brother wants to go to the football party and the mom's like, well, you can't go unless you bring little tag along. Which only builds up resentment towards little tag right. along. Which only brings builds up resentment between both of the brothers. Even though, you know, mom meant well. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much happening here, I think you can say. Yeah, for sure. 
But they're they're different, I mean, in all of these ways, but also I think different in the way that they learn, the way they take criticism. Yeah. Because Thor, he certainly doesn't take his literal fall from grace gracefully. Well, it was it was also you know, figurative and literal, but you know, like, you know, smashing into the earth. Yeah. Well, bam. He doesn't take it well. And you can understand why he doesn't take it well, because he's sort of like a college kid who gets a rude awakening from his parents after failing out of his third semester or something. And they cut him off. <laughs> they cut him off. They're like, oh, it's the real world, kid. Uh, so he goes, I mean, he gets stuck on Earth, but he... I mean, granted, I think Loki was the one who cut him off then, because he was like, sorry, Thor, you get to stay. Dad's True. Dead. Which True. was a lie. Loki does eventually become kind of the problem there. Eventually. I mean, yes, he becomes the problem. He's the problem. But it starts out with Thor making his his uh, his little learning journey down to Earth from Odin. And doesn't that tell you what Odin thinks of Earth? That he feels free to banish his son there as a punishment. Well, to be fair, if you take a look at Asgard, it seems like it's a little bit nicer. They're a little bit more advanced, yes. It is like advanced. sending your kid to Hicktown. <laughs> but, but... Sorry, son, you've been banished to Alabama. <laughs> That's right, I'm sorry, sir. Your child has been lost in the woods out back Camp Walla Walla or something. But he said... He's, he's been devoured by raccoons. <laughs> Thor got sent down to Hicktown, basically the boondocks of the universe. And he takes the fall... At first, not very well, but he learns. Yes. And the things he learns, he takes as a genuine lesson with good faith from his father. Like, he accepts that his father's trying to make him a better person, that he's trying to teach him something through this experience, and he says, okay, I will use this to make myself a better warrior, a better son, a better king. Mm-hmm. See, what I think is hilarious, and, you know, kind of just an example of Loki, like, having everything backfire on him, is when Thor is on Earth, and then Loki sends the Destroyer, or whatever it's called, the big automaton It's thing. the Destroyer. Yeah. And Loki sends that down to basically kill Thor, because Loki is terrible sometimes. Like, Thor volunteering to sacrifice himself for all the humans, that's what gives him the power to wield the hammer again. Yeah. That's that's what gives him all of his power back, and Loki made that possible. Yeah. And... Uh, he did not Loki, realize that Loki, Thor would learn differently than he would, perhaps. He Maybe. did not realize that Thor had learned anything. Yeah, see, because Loki wasn't taking into consideration that other humans, sorry, other Asgardians have compassion because yes. he doesn't have very much himself. Right, and I think in terms of Thor, he was looking at his brother as the impulsive, reckless, selfish child that he had been banished to Earth as. Mm-hmm. When he got banished to Earth, he didn't understand why it was happening. He didn't understand what he was supposed to be learning. He thought he was in the right yeah. going to Jotunheim and fighting. And then also comes in the irony of how he learned how to be a better Asgardian by learning from the humans. Yes, so he did, yeah, he learned these things from the humans. Yeah, getting knocked down a peg. But Loki, the way he learns, is not so much learning as it is 
building up resentment in the core of his being <laughs> for being told that he's wrong yeah. until it explodes outward and he just lashes out crazily. Yeah, that's not really learning. That's... It's not learning. It's not learning, but he thinks, he takes it as having learned his lesson. You know, that's what, he says, oh, okay, Odin is trying to teach me this lesson, mm -hmm. but the lesson is not so much what Loki takes away from it as yeah. Loki just getting so worked up. Yeah, like, I think he thinks that the the anger and the resentment and the, the emotional pain that he's feeling is his punishment. But he yes. doesn't really pay attention to why he's being punished. Right. That's, that's exactly it. He doesn't know why he's being punished. And he doesn't, like, back to what Frigga said, saying, you know, you're so perceptive about everyone except for yourself. He isn't taking a moment to look inside and see, maybe this is why everything is going wrong. Maybe it's me. Maybe that's why everything I'm trying to do this way right. isn't working. It's not everyone else, it's me. But he it can't do that because he's an egomaniac. It isn't, oh, that'll teach you to think you're as good as your brother. Yeah. It's, oh, you should not have tried to enslave an entire race, commit genocide, or let a bunch of enemies into our castle to try and prove that you're better than your older brother. Yeah, also I think it goes back to the uh, the racism thing, because, like, you know, once he figured out that he was a frost giant, that is really what sent him off the edge, because now he hates himself. He hates himself even more than he did before, and I think going down and, like, wanting to kill the frost giants, for one thing, that's, like, he needs to show that he's good enough. He needs to show that he is valuable and that he is strong. And, and that he he's not one of them. Yeah, and then... His need to rule over the humans, he needs to have a group of people that's lower than he is. Because he has suddenly been knocked down to, like, the worst monsters they have. He needs to be in charge of something that's worse off than he is. He needs his throne. He Yeah, he needs his throne to prove that he is worthy of being a king. Yeah. Just because when he looks at Thor, he does not see worthiness. Yeah, which, to be fair, in... The first movie, I didn't either. No. I think in the second movie, when he offers to give up the hammer for Jane, and when he essentially commits treason to save not only Jane, but also everybody on Asgard, mm -hmm. he proves himself to be perhaps uh, what I would consider a better king than Odin. Yeah, because he was willing to sacrifice... His reputation. Yeah. His position in society to save other people. Like, no holds barred. Doesn't care about what happens And that to is him. both a very Frigga-like and a very, in some respects, Jane-like thing to say. Yeah, it's very self-sacrificing, which is what a king should be, because the king should care about his people over himself. Yeah. And it seems that perhaps in the beginning, Loki and Thor are most defined by their father's expectations of them and their mm -hmm. father's love, but... You or see, lack thereof. Or lack thereof. And you see as the series goes on, them their decisions being informed more by the women they love. Huh. Never thought about Thor. that. Thor. Yeah. Thor's, in particular, Thor's decisions become more informed by his mother's wisdom and by Jane. And... 
by the other humans that he meets, but essentially the, the opinions that he cares most about are his mothers and Janes, right? And then they become less and less informed by what Odin thinks would be the right thing to do. Which is a good thing, because Odin's a jerk. Loki, in his ha- for all his hatred of Odin, becomes what he hates the most in more ways than one. He becomes a frost giant, which is what he's been taught to hate the most. He becomes like Odin in ways mm-hmm. that are unacceptable yeah, to him. Like domineering. Yeah. Cruel. Uh, Thinking he knows best. <laughs> Super racist. Yeah. Yeah, he really... And, you know... For all that magic and Frigga and those, the women's art are mythologized as, like, the art of lying, mm-hmm. Odin is the one who does the most lying in the series, I think. You know, yeah. like, of the two role models. Odin is the one who's far more of a liar. <laughs> and yeah, values the truth sure. far less than Frigga does. Yeah. I, see, I think it's interesting how, like, in the beginning, in the first... Thor movie, like, Loki seemed so down-to-earth, and he seemed so competent and intelligent, and then, like, after learning that he is what he hates, he just totally flies off the handle. He, there is no, well, not very much reason anymore left in this man. It, I think part of it is because he's kind of been, like, emotionally flayed. Yes. And he's so sensitive because, like, his flesh has been opened for all the world to just hurt him. Rub salt in the wound. Yeah. And he he becomes so sensitive and so brittle and it's so sad. And in a, in a way, it's like everybody's perception of him is just being totally confirmed. Yeah. Which he's such a tragic character. He does these things trying to prove himself, trying to do something completely different. And he ends up fulfilling everyone's expectations. Right, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. And it's... uh, The curse of the trickster. It is, it's the curse of the trickster. It really is. So, I was thinking about the myth of Ragnarok, and the expectation that he is sort of like the catalyst. That he's sort of doomed to fail, and without him failing, we cannot have this good thing that comes out of it. And it actually gets into... um, I don't want to say mythology, but stories that I know far less of with um, Judas and Jesus. Okay. And I was thinking of it in context of, there's a lot of, I've heard people say that you have to love the character of Judas because without him betraying Jesus, you can't have his sacrifice, right? Yes. You have to have the betrayal to get the sacrifice and the good out of something. Mm -hmm. Now, I have not verified this for myself, but I've heard that in the Gospel of Judas, Judas claimed that Jesus told him to betray him. Okay. So, I don't know if that's true or not, but, like, without the betrayal, there cannot be the redemption. Yeah. For all mankind. Exactly. So, So when I am thinking about the myth of Ragnarok, and about the fact that, in a way... If you want to bring, like, fate and destiny into this, looking at the myths, Loki has to betray Asgard and the Aesir in order for him to be sent through... I don't know if this is the right way to use the word, but Lokasena, which is his punishment for the death of Baldur. Mm -hmm. So he is responsible for the death of Baldur, and 
several other things that he claims are just pranks, bro. Yeah. But it, it leads to him being imprisoned under the earth with his wife, Sigyn, holding a bowl over him to catch the venom that's constantly dripping into his eyes. And from the snake that's hanging above him. From the snake that's hanging him. above him, and it's this whole terrible trap. Uh, but when he breaks free, his children, and he begin the end of the world. Without him betraying everyone, the end of the world can't come about, and without the end of the world, you can't have the rebirth. Yes. That the universe is supposed to have. So, is he meant to be... Is he just, sadly, like, destined to be that guy? Oh, I love his character so much, but it would make so much sense if he was. If he was just... He's just destined to be the sacrifice. Not even the sacrifice, technically. Like, he's not the sacrifice, but he's destined to be the catalyst, I would say. He kind of is the sacrifice, though. Like, he is, he is destiny's sacrifice. He has to fail in order for everyone else to receive that, like, redemption. In order for the world to be reborn. Right. And if we're gonna look at, you know, his whole faking his death and was it really just not his time to die? Is there a time to die? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Because obviously Frigga knew she was going to die and knew it was her time to die, you Mm -hmm. could say. Or maybe she knew that it was, like, the best time for her to die. The best time for her to die. Yes. Yeah. Is Loki in the third Thor movie supposed to die so that the rebirth can come about? Is Thor supposed to die so that the rebirth can come about? Is there going to be a rebirth at all? Probably not, or because it's is, part of the well, extended I mean, Marvel universe. Yeah, probably not. There's going, there's probably, I, I'm, but I mean, in terms of like, metaphorically a speaking, metaphorical new generation of heroes. They could, they, actually, I can see them doing that, just because everyone's contract is up, but. <laughs> <laughs> if you, okay, so I'm thinking about it in terms of, you have Ragnarok and you have the Infinity Wars. Right. And let me do some quick Googling right now, but I believe Ragnarok comes out before the Infinity Wars, but I'm, I'm actually sure, not it, sure. It comes out before the second Civil War movie, so. Seven, second Civil War or Infinity War? I think Second Civil War. There's not two Civil Wars. There's one Civil War. Okay, well then, sorry, I'm I'm an ignorant plebeian. So, if that's the case, then it's definitely coming out before the Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War comes out 2018. So, I think we'll... So long. I know, it's so long, it's so far from now, it's sad. I'm gonna be old by then! <laughs> yeah, so old, they're gonna be old. 23 whole years old. But, if you... Is, is Thanos Ragnarok? I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, he's, like, the most powerful dude in the like, galaxy. Like, do we have to have Loki set in motion Ragnarok in order for... And then Thanos shows up, and that, like, that is Ragnarok. And then after that, you have the rebirth. That makes sense. Metaphorical rebirth. And not only would it make sense, but it would also make him the catalyst because he's the one who brought Earth to Thanos's attention. He's such a domino tipper. He really is. Oh. He's the one who brought Earth to Thanos' attention. He's the one who wanted to conquer Earth. He's the one who brought the Infinity Stone there. He's the one who brought the Avengers to his atten- their attention. And he's the one who lost New York for the Chitari. 
he lost New York for Thanos, and you see in that, um... Thanos that, doesn't that, like to be defeated. In that post credit scene, you see him say... I, I think he says something like, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Yeah, so he's going to show up and ruin everything. But of course, right. the Avengers are going to win because it's Marvel. So here we are with Loki being the one who tips off a veritable apocalypse, which is what Ragnarok is. Sure, he doesn't have his kids, like in the myth. He doesn't, he doesn't have his son, Jormungandart, who eats the world or anything like wife. that. He doesn't have his wife. Wives. He doesn't have his real Lokasena, although actually, par interestingly enough, side note, in the movie, part of the soundtrack where he's in the prison is called Lokasena, oh. that chapter. So they did, they did make reference to it. So he doesn't have those things in the same way you do in the myths, but not much about this is completely parallel to the myths anyway. So I'm just wondering if we're looking at a vague retelling of that myth. I think we are, for sure. They've definitely drawn on a lot of the mythology, because the comics draw on a lot of the mythology. Right. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, like, world-endingly, like, the world's been reborn and everyone is born anew. No. No, no. That's not what's no, going to no. happen. Uh-uh. But, new generation of heroes. Uh, maybe. I could see something similar to that, or... Maybe we're looking at a rebirth in terms of, like, um, Asgard's just not fucking with our shit anymore. Like, we get free of them, or the nine worlds are... Merged into one. More merged, or... Or maybe it's... Because what, what confuses me, kind of, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is you have Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's, like, almost like Star Wars, you know? Like... The cantina, everyone's there, all these aliens, wow, wow, look at all these different people. And then you have, like, the nine very separate segregated worlds in Thor, which it's really hard for me to reconcile these two completely different things. What I really think the nine worlds in Thor are, um, and you see the convergence between the dimension, so-called dimensions, what I really think they are are simply folds in the universe. Okay. And this is going to get really weird and, like, pseudoscience-y right here. <laughs> But I think that what you're looking at are all parts of the same universe, yes. but the way that the fabric of time and space fold together, they create these weak points. And Eric Selvig talks about the weak points being things you can exploit during the convergence of, uh, convergence of weak points. So when you're seeing those wormholes, you're just seeing weird... Universe origami, I think. So, the universe is kind of like a cootie catcher. Yes! Okay. The universe is like a... I think that what we're looking at is a universe that's like a cootie catcher. And it's so far rumored, not sure if it's confirmed, that Guardians of the Galaxy are actually going to team up with the Avengers in the Infinity War. Oh, that would be so great! So... So expensive, it's so great! So expensive to produce, but potentially really incredible. Yes. Wow, we got sidetracked. <laughs> we got pretty sidetracked. This but, is a podcast about Loki. But these are, to remind you. But these are things that you have to think about if you're going to draw on the mythology to look at this character. Yes. Agreed. So. Okay, so now that we have gone so far off track, talking about... Well, it is important if you want to look at his character as a catalyst. Uh, let's get, like, a little lighter before we go into our... Um, armchair psychology section and talk about him faking his death. That's lighter, I promise. It's lighter. Slightly. 
It still has to do with Thanos, but... I think, like, 80% of it is his voice. He's yeah. just so spot on. Yeah. Okay, so... Loki faking his own death. This is this is us getting lighter. Slightly. Slightly lighter. We have a list of reasons here why he why he is faking his own death and I think that will lead us in nicely to his psychological profile because we have a question about whether or not he got whammied mind controlled by Thanos. By Thanos. So Faking his own death. By faking his own death, he gets his favorite thing, I think, ever, which is no consequences for his actions. <laughs> he gets to the throne. Yes, but I think that's kind of by virtue of Odin picking a very bad time for the Odin sleep. True. We don't know whether or not he's in the Odin sleep or whether he's dead. I'm pretty sure he's in the Odin sleep because I think it's kind of hard to kill him. <laughs> One would think. But granted, I I am prepared to be disappointed by Odin. <laughs> he's I, disappointed me so many times before. Yes, he is very disappointing. Um, you know, honestly, these characters in general, they often make choices we wish they would not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he gets to tell Thor what to do. Yes. Um, and potentially kind of get a little revenge for his mother's death. If he's going to blame Odin for it... Mm-hmm. Which I assume he is, because it's never his I, own at the fault. same time as he's blaming himself for it, he's also blaming Thor for it. He's definitely blaming Odin, because we look at his quote, Who put me there? The reason why he could not help his mother is because he was in prison, and he says, Who put me there? Meaning Thor and Odin. Mm -hmm. So we get a little revenge for that. Now he's in a position of power where this, you know, he's able to do whatever the hell he wants. And then the last thing, which is going to lead into our, our final topic here, um, he loses the Infinity Stone in the Avengers. Yeah, nice job losing it, Loki. He loses the Tesseract, which is... Honestly, how do you lose the Tesseract? <laughs> well, you'd lose the battle, and then who won it? whoever won it took it, and that's the yeah. Avengers. They took the Tesseract. So... They take the Infinity Stone, and this means that not only does Thanos not get control of Earth, he also now doesn't have his Infinity Stone. Yes, and now the Collector is collecting Infinity Stones, and I'm pretty sure it's a very bad idea to put them put multiple ones in the same spot. Right, so the Infinity Stone has been lost to both our heroes and Loki. I almost said our Loki. <laughs> and our Loki. And Thanos is pissed the hell off. So it would be wise for Loki to not be around for Thanos to take that out on. Yes. And I'm assuming that faking his own death helps with this. Goes back to the having no consequences for his actions. Yes. Okay. I agree. So faking his own death. This is... Just serving to reinforce him being a self-serving dick. Mm -hmm. Really. Yeah, he just he doesn't want to have to own up to what he's done. Right, and he gets the added idea of, I can pretend to be my father and make everyone hate him more than they already do. Also, I can order people around, and they have to do what I say. I get my throne. Yes. He gets his throne one way or another. Even if it isn't honest or true. Right. It doesn't matter because it does what I want. So we have the question here to lead into the 
pseudo-psychanalysis of Loki. Does he do this because this is what is expected of him? Or does he do this because this is what he really wants? Or does he do this because he got mind-controlled? Um, I'm gonna take a fourth option here okay. and say he's doing it because he's a self-serving asshole and okay. he's taking the safest option he can find. You know, I like that take on it. I do. I really like that take. But we also have to think about the fact that he would never have been in this situation had he not messed around with Thanos and his mother. Yeah, there's also, you know, like a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, a little bit of column C. A little bit of all this. Yeah, um, I think, uh, he wants revenge. He does. He's angry. He's emotionally fragile. I do think that interacting with the Infinity Stones has made him go a little crazy. I think you can look at it as the Dr. Selvig effect. Yes. This is... You know, he says, I've had a god inside my mind, I don't recommend it. And if you're looking at the tiers of gods, Thanos being inside Loki's mind is probably what I would say equivalent to Loki being inside of Dr. Selvig's. Uh, I don't want to go that far, because I think that, like, Loki's physiology, I think he's a little bit more capable True. of dealing with that sort of magic and just, like, mental manipulation. Okay. I think, also, like, he isn't running around naked. Anywhere, this is so, true. And he can, this is a good and he point. can remember things. And he, he's like socially where he knows what's going on. But I think that he's been affected at a much deeper level. Traumatized. Yeah, traumatized pretty much. So you know, he's he was already kind of immature to begin with, and now he's suffering from essentially post like post traumatic stress disorder. And he gave up his options when Thanos did that. He gave up. You know, he can't lie to Thanos anymore after this. Thanos knows everything. So he gave up all of his options. He doesn't have an option to get away from Thanos anymore. He doesn't have an option to exist somewhere else in the galaxy and not have Thanos ever find him if he's being himself. Yes. So he can hide in essentially plain sight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, his impulse control is, is terrible no matter whether he's being mind-controlled or not. Well, I think it was a little better before he figured out he was a frost giant. So I think... That, True. Like, you know, having that emotional blow and, like, a mental blow, and then having the, like, actual mental blow of having someone trying to control his mind, I think that, like, one on top of the other, like, he could have dealt with either one, I think, all right, but then both of them on top of each other just... He's kind of so snapped. We're saying mind control is neither an excuse... For his behavior. Oh, no. Nor a no, no. driving factor. No. Definitely okay, not. Okay, this was all in place before that. I think the framework was there. Okay. I don't think he would have gone as far if he wasn't being, like, mind-controlled. Or if he, but his life wasn't being threatened yeah, by Thanos. I, I don't even know that he was being mind-controlled all that much. Definitely not to the extent that, like, Hawkeye and Maybe not Selvig were. mind-control so much as being backed into a corner. Yes, so he, he wasn't being mindful of, he was being manipulated, which is what okay. he does to everyone else. So now he knows what it feels Who like, justice. and he still does it to everyone else after this event. He did not, he, as we've discussed He's earlier, has learned nothing. He doesn't learn his lessons. Well, anything else you want to say about his psychological profile? 
Um, look at the list. I mean, we talked about his daddy issues, his mommy issues, his brother issues. We talked about his adopted child issues. We talked about him being emotionally fragile and how he's opportunistic. We talked about gender roles, Mm -hmm. hyper-masculinity. We talked about him in terms of the myths. Yeah, he would make, he is a great tactician, although he does not consider all possibilities. True. He does not consider that people are different than he is. We talked about his pride. How he'd make a terrible leader, even though he, that's like the one thing he wants to be. Right. We talked, we definitely did talk a lot about his, his hypocrisy. Yeah, he wants to be a leader for himself, not for other people. He wants to be a leader because he wants power. Yes. And he wants the power however he can get it, and that's the only way he knows power is assured. Which is, like, the worst trait that a leader can have. Right. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. I think our last note was that we probably would not have wanted so much to do with Loki if we hadn't watched Tom Hiddleston yeah. play him. He's he's such a great actor. And he did he, a wonderful he job. He brings so much to the table, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, he's good looking. But that's this not is very even the true. half of it. He's just so good at playing the snake. It's beautiful. And like 80% of it is his voice. He has such good vocal inflection, and he knows exactly how to portray each and every emotion and ulterior motive in each and every line he says. Just, I think one thing I noticed on our last like rewatch of The Dark World is yeah. the tilt of his head. Yes. The way he just makes everything seem, even even when Loki's at his lowest point, he's sitting on the floor bloodied in his prison cell, he's still so cocky. He's really good at body language. Yep. Yes. So, I mean, thank you for being so good looking. Thank <laughs> you for being such a good actor. Thank you for being so talented. Thank you for bringing life to this character that has inspired over an hour. Of talk. Of talk. Yes. And, you know, thank you for portraying the first character that we have discussed on Nerds of a Feather. Yes. So thank you for listening. If you have comments or questions or you want to tell us to stop doing this, you know, we're not going to, (laughs) but we'd like to hear from you. Yeah, Uh, or if you want to tell us about your own analysis, that would be great. I would love paragraphs in my inbox. The email will be available in the description for this show. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Bye.